Hey everybody, it's Dana here, author of Release Your Inner Wild, the modern day women's guide to reconnecting with your true self, honoring your health, passion, and power. You know, I'd always wanted to be a guest on a podcast and then thought, well, what am I waiting for? Why don't I just create my own? So I'm going to be sharing some life stories and experiences as well as speaking to some other women about theirs and about what makes us healthy, strong, grounded, wild women. So if you're on that path of self-discovery, or even if you're not quite sure if you're on that path yet, I invite you to listen in because I can promise there will be something beautiful and valuable for you to take away. At least that is my most heartfelt and deepest desire for you. So thank you in advance for listening, and I look forward to sharing many beautiful stories. Hi there. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for doing this with me and for making the time. Um, I feel really grateful and blessed that you said yes to this today. So, um, so before we start and, um, and I turn it over to you to tell us uh, I say us because I know that there will be many listeners um, to tell us about yourself. Um, I thought I could just start with, with, you know, why we're having this conversation, why I'm having this conversation on my podcast and, and how I know you. Um, even though we've never met, we, we met on social media <laughs> and, um, and, you know, you were kind enough to share my book with your network. And that's kind of how we started our, our online relationship, if you will. Um, so that's for anyone wanting to know, you know, my connection or why I felt comfortable reaching out to you. Um, and I want to let the listeners know that, that, you know, I'm having ongoing conversations given our current, uh, events and, and longstanding events, um, with racism in, in this country and around the world and within the umbrella of, uh, black indigenous people of color, Indigenous people in what is now Canada are um, experience racism on, on many levels, and I wanted to explore that with you today. And I actually feel nervous. I'm I'm so outside of my comfort zone having this conversation that it's good. Like I like that I'm feeling nervous because it means you know, it's where the where the growth is. Um, so for listeners, Allison has been educating and working on Indigenous issues for 18 years. She's an Indigenous woman herself. Um, and so she's joining us. So tell us, tell us about yourself, please. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Dana. I really appreciate it. Um, so I have, I'm a writer and marketing consultant from Abbotsford, BC. I'm Kwakutl First Nation. I have a 12-year-old son. I'm a single mom. And I have been working in government on Indigenous issues. I started my career working with residential school survivors. And then I moved into the working in the prison system, working with indigenous offenders to get them access to cultural programming and to consult on policy issues and analyze results and performance outcomes. And I left government to start my marketing consultancy. And since then I've worked on indigenous projects like um, supporting the theatrical launch of Indian Horse and also of the Grizzlies movie through an Indigenous agency that's local to me called Stories First Productions. And I work with them on Indigenous projects um, as part of my business. 
Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's a lot. Um, and as much as I follow you, I, those are some things I didn't even know. So thank you. Um, and for two, for people listening, like you have a killer sense of humor too, right? And I think, I think it's really um, interesting that like all of the work that you do, um, it, well, and I don't know about all of the, the, you know, what you experience in that daily work, but I also, I see what you share. And then I also see like that part of you that is a mom because I, I see your feed with your son and, and yeah, your sense of humor and your ability to connect with people. And so I really appreciate um, what you share. Thank you. So can we start? um, So I have questions. And and again, for listeners, I want people to understand that I had questions that I sent to you ahead of time. And you were so gracious uh, in helping in reframing the questions. And I, I want I want people to know that because questions I asked weren't, as you said, they weren't offensive, but they weren't necessarily entirely appropriate. And so rather than going through all the examples, um, you know, for people, I just want people to understand the, the way in which you helped to educate me um, with reframing the questions. So it was, it was really humbling and very informative and very educational for me. So thank you. Um, so can we start with what is reconciliation and why does it matter today? For sure. So reconciliation is a process where where Canada and and Indigenous people basically work together um, on their relationship. Like there's a deeply fractured relationship due to historical injustices and discrimination and legislation and a whole host of issues um, that have created, um, you know, like to say gently tension. Um, Mm -hmm. And so Reconciliation is really an active process, like to reconcile is a verb for sure. It's an active process that we all engage in, in order to find common ground, understanding, and to create uh, safety for Indigenous people to be able to participate in their lives in a, in a way that feels good to them. Okay, and... I'm just going to ask this follow-up question that wasn't in the questions that I originally asked, um, but are you able to comment on, like, where are we at in terms of the process of reconciliation? Like, as a as that relationship is, are you able to sort of give reference to w- where it was versus where it is now or progress or anything like that? Um, I think where we're at currently is that there have been a number of different studies and reports and recommendations and we still have items outstanding and we Mm -hmm. still have opportunities to grow in that relationship and create um, a more equitable society for people so um, I think that you know over the years there have been a meaningful events and um, but there's still we've still got lots of work to do okay and, and actually, so on the note of, of the report, I'm going to go to a question a little bit out of order here, um, because we're now at, at a year, a year marking of, of um, after the missing, murdered, missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls report. So can you just tell us a bit about that report, the findings and, and the second part of that question, which is what can people do now to contribute to the safety of Indigenous women and girls? For sure. So um, a disproportionate number of Indigenous women and girls were going missing and were being found dead. And there were a lot of different factors 
that contributed to the the state of that. Um, and ultimately, there was a significant investigation into the issues, and what was issued was a very large report, but also calls for justice that included many different sectors, like government, different industries, different. Um, but there was a section that was specific for all Canadians. So this isn't just like an institutional thing, like the government needs to change things or the media needs to change things. It included things that, you know, everybody can do in order to participate in making the world safer for um, Indigenous women and girls. And do you, do you want to comment on that, that piece around the Canadians as opposed to say the governments and the industries, which we can definitely touch on, but do you want to, do you want to add to that piece now about the Canadians or um, because there is a question that I, you know, that I have for you towards the end around, around that, but is there, is that something that we can dig a little bit deep, more deeply into right now? For sure. I mean, for, um, for the calls to justice for all Canadians, it's about speaking out against violence against Indigenous women, girls, um, and others, um, learning about the history of Canada, taking the time to educate yourself on Indigenous history near local areas, um, celebrating Indigenous people's history, culture, um, taking what you've learned from, from reading the report and from doing the work of learning about Indigenous people and uh, using that to become an ally. It's about confronting and speaking out against racism, sexism, homophobia, ignorance, transphobia, like all of the things that, that contribute to a lack of safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and to protect, support, and promote the safety of women and girls um, by acknowledging and respecting the value of every person in every community and the rights to, to their own self-determined solutions. Um, creating time and space for relationships, um, holding governments accountable to implement things. Like there are sections that are specific to government, that are specific to institutions and ways that everyday Canadians can get involved is hold people to task and be like, hey, this was on your to-do list. Where are you at with that? You represent Mm -hmm. me and you need to do these things. And this is why it's important. And I'm going to follow up. So really just being... (laughs) being persistent about about holding people accountable for their participation in the process mm-hmm. and thank you and um i want the listeners to know that this this next follow-up question as it relates to that about around being an ally I, here's an example of how allison helped me reframe or reframed a question because i my question said is it okay for me to share allison mm-hmm. my original question okay um, you know, I said, is, is, are we in a current situation where non-Indigenous people are to just sit and, li- and listen and learn? Or is there a way that we can be part of change? And you reframe that to say, how can non-Indigenous people be allies? And it was like, actually, I say it and I get like, I get like, it, it was a very powerful shift in the way I asked in, in the wording of the question. And um, I hadn't thought of that before, because um, it, it for me anyway, I don't know what, what anyone else will think when they hear that. Actually, you, you probably hear the emotion in my voice because it, it helped me see that I was seeing myself as separate. Like, oh, what can I do to be part of a change as opposed to like, how can I be an ally, right? And 
and I, I, it might be subtle and that might not even have been the difference that you meant to, that you intended for me to see, but that's what I, that's what I felt when I read the, the different wording. Um, did you, is there anything you would, you would comment on, on that, on the reframe or? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think that often, um, you know, we are calling on people to listen and to learn and educate themselves. Um, but just that it shouldn't, it shouldn't stop there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and if you're taking action, taking time to listen and learn while you're doing it, I mean, and, mm-hmm. you know, before you do it, like, part of it's about, I think what's really important is to support people who are already doing the work and who already know what people need and how they need to be served and what things need to be taken into consideration. Because sometimes when we create solutions in isolation, we miss opportunities because we don't really understand what people need. So having those conversations and understanding, you know, why we do the things that we do and the way that we do it and what needs we're trying to meet and what things we need to consider um, really like, and also it's the difference between, you know, supporting and saving. And it's Mm -hmm. really important to co-create solutions and to empower people versus like, Oh, coming in as a white savior, right? Like we don't, we don't want to, like, this isn't about rescuing people. It's about empowering people to, to support each other, to create change, you know, that it, it, it just, it needs to center the community and the needs of the community. Thank you for that so much because, so there are a couple things on that. And one is, is like I had said that I felt the shift for me around like being a separate outsider versus being an ally. And, and like, so there was that, but then there's also right. The difference between just listening and being like, okay. And then not doing anything about, about what you have learned. Right. But also as you're saying, um, and this was, this was actually one of my, what I was grappling with um, for the last couple of weeks is like, first of all, I've, I've, I've been the first one to say like, I don't think anyone needs quote my, my help. It's not help. It's like, I can't, it's not about that. It's like, and as much as I'm not personally experiencing these issues, and so I can't relate on that level, what I do know is that communities don't need, quote, help. Like, I feel like communities need to be heard and and needs responded to, as, as opposed to, like you're saying, saving or helping, right? It's not about that. And for us or anyone who's not Indigenous to think that, to be righteous enough to think that it's about us helping, like, I want to, I want I wanted you to help people see that, that, the, that it's not about that. Right. And you just said that really eloquently. So. Yeah. It's um, about not infantilizing and not um, paternalizing like in the approach and just really um, honoring the wishes of, of the people that you're supporting. And it's about amplification. Um, and I think that's, that's really key. We've had lots of people tell our stories and tell our stories in a way that doesn't um, necessarily honor our realities. And so that's why it really needs to be so collaborative and, mm-hmm. and in order to respect the, the things that we maybe don't even know we don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, and that's why I was, you know, yeah, like I said, grateful that you were willing to have a conversation with me because I, I, wanted to be 
I'm going to change my language. I want to be an ally. And I also wasn't sure where to go. I can't just start inventing my idea of what I think, you know, needs to happen, needs to be done or needs to happen. I, I need to ask. And so that's also why, again, this is, this is so outside of my comfort zone. I don't, I don't know what I don't know, as you just said, right? Um, yeah, for sure. Well, and the other piece is that, I mean, the learning, I mean, obviously we want learning and we want action. But the other piece to consider is that like the, the learning informs the conversations and it informs how you perceive things, how you interact with things, how you build relationships. So the learning is work too. Um, I think it's, it's kind of like an entry point um, and a minimum requirement. Um, but lots of action can come from that learning that we don't necessarily think about because it shifts how we see each other. It shifts how we show up for each other. It shifts how we respond to other people voicing um, their opinions on things that might not be as informed. So um, I think the learning piece is really crucial, not just from a place of being able to support effectively, but also to be able to equip yourself to have conversations that matter. Yeah, and I and I think part from what I'm what I'm learning too from having conversations with people, um, a lot of people, me included, are, are nervous a little bit around like even this conversation. Like, oh, what if I just say something really wrong, right? Like, there's that fear because I don't know how to have the conversations, right? When I I did a podcast last week with my friend in Vancouver, a black woman, and we were talking about what's what's been happening, of course, in the United States, and as someone who I had my own personal experience with something. And because I had, um, I had my dad's father was black. I felt like, okay, I, I, I didn't know what I was talking about in, on some levels, but I also, um, I didn't, I wasn't nervous to have the conversation with her because I was speaking, you know, about my own family and my own experience. Whereas with this conversation, I, I did feel nervous because I, I, I don't know all of the things that are appropriate or not appropriate to say. And in fact, that's why I really appreciated you um, so kindly correcting me, right? Reframing, um, because I, I, I believe anyway I, that it's important for, for people to be unco- like accept that there will be discomfort and then still be willing and, and to have the conversations and learn how to have better conversations, you know? For sure. Um, yeah. I mean, so, ha- having yeah. race-based conversations can be really uncomfortable, but um, so is dying from racism. And so is having your livelihood limited by racism. And so ra- a lot of discomfort comes from, from racism. So, um, as uncomfortable as these conversations can be, it's like they matter so much. And so mm-hmm. I think like, I, I love that you're willing to have the conversations that you're willing to show up for the conversation and sit with the discomfort. Um, I think really what's very, very key when you're having those conversations is like the word that we use a lot is being anti-fragile. It's like being willing to listen to the feedback, being willing to accept the education and being willing to not, to take personal responsibility for change, but not to take things personally where you feel like you need to defend that, you know, you're not, you're not racist or, you know, like 
being able to just listen and hear what somebody has to say and not and not not center yourself in it is really key to being able to to create that trust so that someone can feel safe to share with you what their experience is. So thank you. And, and, you know, I had, I had an experience not that, you know, a couple of days ago where I, I felt like maybe my question to someone was misunderstood. And um, the answer was actually fine. Now that I look back. <laughs> right. But I was so like I did take something personally thinking, oh my gosh, they, they misunderstood. Now they think I'm this. And I, and, it, and I, and then that became the focus for me of the conversation rather than the actual question. So it was really, it was like humble learning for me. Um, so around like, yeah, not, not, not taking things personally. I was going to, I was going to reference the four agreements, right? Because I mean, that's the four agreements is like, don't take things personally, but it's, um, it's more than that. It's like, I, I, I really, um, around conversations that I'm not used to having and, and I'm not used to hearing really being able to take myself out of it. I like the term anti-fragile. That's very um, clear. Yeah, I, I got it from a, a lady who works actually primarily in deconstruction of diet culture. And mm. um, and that's kind of one of the philosophies of, of the community that she was leading when I met her. And it's really about being willing to take in the information and make changes and to not I mean, confront your own biases, think about where you are with it, but being willing to hear it and not getting so lost in being defensive or feeling mm-hmm. like, you know, that there's a need for you to personally apologize for something, like to be able to really just sit, sit with the discomfort, to be able to listen and to reframe around like, well, what are you going to do about the thing you know now, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so then the next question, um, it, it, can you touch on what are some, like, you know, you, you talked about the report, um, around missing murdered indigenous women and girls. Can you, um, can we just go back to that for a second? So, um, what are some of the issues indigenous women face today? Is there something that you would want to expand on outside of that report? I mean, there's lots of issues. I mean, there's, you know, reserves that don't have clean water. You know, there's um, reserves that don't have access to, you know, internet, which is really important as we found through COVID, right? Where, um, so we need um, access to amenities that other people consider to be basic. Um, we, there's issues around access to healthcare, Um there was a report through BC Women's Hospital around issues that Indigenous women face in accessing um, healthcare services and how difficult that can be. Uh, and so that's that's something else that women face. Um, there are long-standing impacts from uh, residential schools. There are a number of socioeconomic factors that impact Indigenous people around poverty, around access to, like, around food security, around all sorts of things. So there's, there are a lot of issues that Indigenous people face, and there's definitely a lot of work to do in many different areas, and there's lots of different spheres where we can all participate in making the world better. 
And so for someone listening, um, can you tell people where they can find this report um, if they want to read it? And, and also, yeah, let's just start with that. Um, I mean, uh, for the murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls, um, I would just, you know, Google MMIWG report and you'll get all sorts of things about it. Um, the document I reference most frequently is the calls for justice and it really clearly delineates um, what recommendations have been made and how people can participate. And I think that's a really productive thing, you know, but I mean, it's not by any stretch the only report that touches on um, supporting the wellness of Indigenous people and their safety. Like we're looking at also the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and their report. That's something that has a lot of different recommendations uh, that can be implemented and um, and like the BC Women's Report. There's, there's a lot of different places where you can learn about um, the Indigenous experience and ways that we can all... Um, work together to make things better okay so then so thank you for those references and so for someone listening who says like i want to be an ally i want to to be part of 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 making things better would you suggest that the first step would be to just access any of these reports and and become more informed is that is that a fair um, yeah, thing to say I mean, as, as a first step for someone yeah I would look at reports I would you know there's lots of different entry points you know read the reports and find out what the issues are follow things in the news and find out what's happening currently for indigenous people um, learn to educate yourself about the the history so that's you know maybe going to a local museum and learning from there um but really, I think what's key is to support the work that's happening by people who are already doing the work in your community um, to connect and, and reach out there and, and see where your skills and abilities can, can contribute to making things better. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. And because at the beginning, what you did mention when you were talking about the reports that, um, you know, where there, where there was... Um, suggestions that came out of that report um, regarding government and industries and Canadians. So you did touch on that too. So I want to, I want to just remind myself that you said that around becoming involved within communities and, and yeah, like asking, Hey, saying like, here's my skill or is this of value to projects that you have going currently or where can I learn? How can I contribute? Like that might be something that is not, you know, normal for someone or comfortable, like we're not, I'm not used to just approaching a community and saying, Hey, this is what I do. Is there a way that I can put this to use of, to be a value to your community? Right. Um, like, I mean, I, I teach yoga. I've gone into um, communities and taught yoga to the kids or um, on the reserves because that's my skill. Right. And um, that, but that wasn't necessarily something that the community expressed that they needed right? It was something that I, I knew I could do. And then that we, then there was, it turned out a mutual um, agreement that it would be beneficial to the community, but it was usually because I reached out and said, Hey, I do this. Would this be a value? Um, and, and it was, but I don't know that I took the approach of what are you currently doing and how might I fit in into that? Right? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, it sounds like you 
approached that in a way that ultimately resulted in a successful partnership and that you offered something that they needed and were able to work together. So I think that's lovely. Um, the language that we use to approach might be very different from depending on who we are and who who we're approaching and what the past relationship is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really think what's key is to just to show up and let people know what you, where you have experience and if there's an ability to get involved or what contributions are actively being sought, what the priorities are. Okay. I'm making notes. I'm making notes for myself and for this podcast. So thanks. Um, so, so what we'll do is, um, I, I just want to also give people, I don't know, uh, I didn't ask you this ahead of time, so feel free to just reject me on this. But if people want to get in touch, say, with you or um, learn a little more about what you do, um, is there a way that, is there a place that you want to direct people to to find you? Yeah, I mean, if you look up uh, my personal blog on, uh, has a Facebook page, uh, Sparkly Shoes and Sweat Drops is the at for it on Facebook. So you can look up Sparkly Shoes and Sweat Drops and you get Allison Tedford, writer at Sparkly Shoes and Sweat Drops. Um, my blog is, you can find it at Um You can find me on Instagram, Allison Tedford. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Ali Spins. Um, my business is called Feel Better Marketing. Um, and you can find that at feelbettermarketing.com. And yeah, I mean, there's lots of ways to find me. I'm very okay. easy to find. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and when I post um, this recording, I will also um, share a couple of, you know, the links to, to the, the different aspects of all of the, all of the work that you do. Um, because something we didn't touch on, um, and maybe we can do another, another session on this specifically, um, because today the focus is on Indigenous women and, and Indigenous communities. But um, you also do incredible work in the world around um, recovering from eating disorders and, and an eating disorder. And I, I think that would be really beneficial to other, um, the audience, too, that, that, I, that I work with. So um, we can chat about that if that's something that would... Um, you'd be willing to have another conversation about. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to stop there. Um, because I think what you've shared has been like, for me, it's been really impactful and, and, and I want people to hear, um, what you've had to say and be able to like digest this piece. And then, um, I, I suspect that, that there will be feedback and more questions. And then um, <laughs> given how busy you are, you know, I don't know that how much time we can, we can designate for you to do this again, but um, we could, all, I'd love to do a follow-up and, and, and have some, some more questions answered um, the next time. So for sure. Yeah. I think it's most important to keep in mind that, you know, um, obviously the, um, issues that come from racism are, you know, they, they can be deadly. They can be, you know, they're they're happening right now. At the same time, we we hope for support from allies in the long game. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And participating in these things and making the world a better place is 
something that we need to be careful not to burn out doing so that we can't help people in the future. So don't feel like you have to become an expert in race this week. Like if that's not on your to-do list, what's on your to-do list is do what you can with what you have to support people in your world. Thank you so much. So thank you listeners. Um, Thank you, Alison Tedford. And um, I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to visit releaseyourinnerwild.com to learn more ways to be your healthiest, most amazing self yet. And to order a copy of my book, Release Your Inner Wild, the modern day women's guide to reconnecting with your true self, honoring your health, passion, and power. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Release Your Inner Wild.